Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the debut episode of What a Difference a Year Makes, a podcast brought to you by Wrestling Plug Inc. on Facebook. This debut episode, we will take a look back at the year that was from 2019 Clash of Champions till 2020 Clash of Champions that starts this Sunday. And for this debut episode, I pulled in a good buddy of mine. His name is Jeremy. How the hell are you today, Jeremy? I'm doing great, man. Uh, exciting stuff here. I've, I'm a frequent podcast listener. This is my first podcast uh, appearance. Oh, well, welcome into the mix. I'm glad we could uh, pop your podcast cherry, so to speak. <laughs> glad little to backstory, be here. <laughs> little backstory for those that don't know. Jeremy and I work together in our shoot jobs and talk wrestling for hours on end. And I thought, what better person to do this with than Jeremy? So here you are, and here, here goes something on the first episode. So my thought process on this was the other day I was watching the 2019 version of Clash of Champions, and I got to thinking, wow, what a difference a year makes from 2019, this time last year, to 2020 Clash of Champions is like four days away, and the cards couldn't be diff- more different. And I thought, why not just talk about those things? It's kind of a watch along, kind of a retro view mixed into one, just kind of just shooting the shit. And the first thing that I noticed out the gate when I turned on 2019 Clash of Championships is, of course, they have fans. They're in an arena. It took place in North Carolina. So I have to ask you, Jeremy. What do you think about the empty arenas that we're seeing now is the pandemic? Cause this is obviously a pre pandemic show. We are, we're making it work because we all, we love wrestling. Um, WWE, I would say, I mean, they're definitely not, uh, they couldn't be doing any worse. Um, and they're, they're doing what they can. Um, but like you said, the first there was also the first thing I noticed was the fans. The I, the first match of the night, I I think was uh, Rollins Strowman versus uh, Ziggler and Bobby Roode. Yes, right? for the and, for the Raw Tag Team Championships. And if uh, if I hadn't been looking at the TV, not listening to anything, and then Rollins' music hits and it gets to the the when the crowd started screaming, burn it down it made me look up and say, Hey, there's a crowd there. That's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah. We've gotten so co- conditioned and custom to the Thunderdome style or empty arena style um, shows that it's almost become like, that's the new norm. The fan thing is kind of a, Whoa, that's new. Yeah. That's different. Even though that's how it's been for the last 50 years up until this point. And you brought up the first match. And that was where we can just start it off. We'll kind of go down the card of 2019. That was a that was an interesting decision that they had made there. They had Strowman and Rollins as the Raw Tag Team Champions, but also that night pulling double duty and facing each other for the uh, Universal Championship. And you brought up the Beast Slayer theme song. Rollins was the Beast Slayer, and now he's the Monday Night Messiah. Now, if anybody's had a very interesting year, it's been Seth Rollins. Absolutely. And Braun for that matter as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. As far as Rollins goes, yeah, he was kind of, I would say he was kind of at his peak uh, right there. He was a solid baby face, top champion. He was the man. 
Um, he had just beat be, Brock Lesnar for that title at Mania, just, at Mania that year. Mania, didn't they wrestle at SummerSlam as well? And I think he, I think he got two wins on Brock. Yeah, he, he beat he Brock. He went through a he went through a very interesting arc where it was like he was the guy. Everybody was like Rollins is the guy we want to beat Brock and take that title off of Brock. And then all of a sudden, the rah rah Seth Rollins is the guy thing just didn't work anymore. It was, and that's big, how we've gotten to the Monday Night Messiah because he even said that a few weeks back in a promo that it was the fans that drove him to this point that he's at now where he's ripping eyeballs out of people's skulls. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was it seemed like it was a very uh, a fast buildup rise, if you will, and then. Just out of nowhere, the fans just I mean, even I'm kind of guilty of it. I he I, he got boring as the as the top guy, in my opinion. Yeah, because he wasn't being Seth, he was being Rob Rock Company guy, and nobody liked that from John Cena. So <laughs> for him to them to try to do a similar thing with Rollins just didn't didn't gel with me either. And I'm a Seth Rollins fan. I think he's a phenomenal worker. Mm-hmm, and I think the sure. stuff he's doing now is good shit. And yes, you can say shit on this podcast. I don't <laughs> care. We talk however you'd like. Um, and just the whole universal title scene, and we'll kind of just tie those two in together so we don't have to come back and talk about this again. I mean, shit, the title belt itself is blue. The whole thing is different. From 365 days, we went from a red title, Seth Rollins, to now we're at Roman Reigns and it's a blue title. The Fiend was involved. Strowman, who's involved in this whole mix, had a, has had a really interesting year as well where he wasn't going to be the champion, and they told him he wasn't going to be the champion. And now he even had that on that documentary saying he wasn't sure what he was going to do to the point where he thought about committing suicide, which is some pretty heavy stuff, to winning the title because Reigns was out with uh, the coronavirus going on. He removed himself to becoming the champion to only lose the championship. Now he's showing up on raw underground. Maybe it's just me, but is that universal title kind of cursed? (laughs) It seems like it's got a little bit of the Madden curse going on with it. Um, I would like to add to that. uh, You mentioned this time last year, the title was still red. We're at it's blue. Now they switched the brands on it. Um, We had a crowd then we don't now. Oh, there was one more point there, but I I lost it. (laughs) I think what you're getting out with the blue to red thing was this is also a very interesting pay-per-view. This Clash of Champions 2019 version is the last pay-per-view, if I'm not mistaken, before the Fox switchover. That was the NXT. And NXT is also they're running ads during this Clash of Champion that NXT is premiering live this upcoming Wednesday. So the WWE is attempting to put all their eggs in the Fox basket. So I think in a way, this title, they knew it was going to SmackDown because, of course, you have to have the biggest title on the biggest brand. But they had to go, had to come up with ways to make it happen. They were making a big push for a big TV deal. So it was a big day. It was a big, interesting time for the WWE overall, not just the wrestlers who were wrestling, they were going through a massive transition as well. Very, very big uh, transition. Um, you could you could liken it to when, uh, let's see, WWE 
when I first remember them leaving the USA Network and going to TN, uh, TNN, excuse me, the Nashville Network back in the day, um, and then making the jump back to USA, they were a public company, I think, already, or just about to go public. And as a fan, you re- that's kind of when I really started to to notice like all the money being thrown around, like just for wrestling, just just because of the, how the times have changed with ad ad buys, uh, pay per view buys. I at the time I think we're still good enough. Um, of course, the network changed that. Um, but yeah, man, just from then to now, it's all the money that Fox threw at them just for SmackDown and. A lot of money. It's it's crazy. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, not to not to go off onto a whole AEW tangent, but they were in the they were coming into the mix there, which kind of put the pressure on the WWE to start doing bigger things. Yep. And so this this Clash of Champions 2019 really was like the last like pay per view before this big golden era that I like to call it this last year of wrestling, where it's just available everywhere and everybody's trying to get was trying to get into the wrestling game so to speak mm-hmm. in terms of networks so the only other point i had from this first matchup from last year was where is robert rude He's a, <laughs> he ziggler and rude won the tag titles they had a decent run for a little while and then Robert Roode has fallen completely off the face of the earth this year to the point where the today was the first time I've heard his name mentioned and it was because there's a rumor he might be making it back in the next week or so interesting where's he at I saw that rumor as well and then I was I I missed Raw Monday night but I, I was pretty shocked that I didn't see uh, a spoiler, you know, the next day on Sports Kita or whatever they got out there that Robert Root had made his return. Uh, yeah, last year, this time with Ziggler and Root, maybe it's an unpopular opinion, but I really dig those two as a tag team. I mean, they were both oh, too. established. They could hang in the ring. They can make guys better. They could be, they could look good themselves. Um, and then we get to today. Then Robert Roode is part of a tag team. He's a champion. Today, yeah, like he's on a side of a milk carton. And, I mean, he was an NXT champion, one of the yep. one of the better NXT champions for a longer reign. And you don't see anything from him. And to the Ziggler point of that, it's just really strange to me that that guy, is he's one of the best in-ring performers and they just can't seem to find a decent thing for him to do. I mean, this underground thing has been working for him. So that's where the tag, that's where the raw tag team championship picture was a year ago. And now we're looking at street profits and angel Garza and Andrade at clash of champions this year for like the 15th time. So (laughs) they still, and that was one of the biggest takeaways that I've gathered from this past year is that they haven't figured out what they want to do in that tag division. I agree with that. Um, I, I would say that, uh, you know, we both know as wrestling fans, but you know, the general public may not know that Vince, Vince in the WWE does not, he's not a fan of tag teams, tag team. You got to pay two guys. What's, why do I want to do that? It's a silly thought, but uh, as far as uh, WWE tag teams go in this day and age, like this year, they somebody there has to see what AEW is doing with their tag teams, albeit 
they may not be pushing or putting the the top best tag teams until you know a month or so ago when they put the titles on FTR. Uh, but I digress. We'll um, talk about FTR in this uh, this another conversation. Video. Yep, yeah. exactly. Yep. They uh, they have somebody there has to see what they're doing in AEW with their tag teams, and somebody in WWE, whoever that is, needs to keep trying to like push some more tag teams. Yeah, tag team wrestling. People people have an appetite for tag team wrestling, and I think that they were starting to get there, and then it all kind of fell apart. Which we'll yeah. talk a little bit more about the tag team division up here shortly. But you know, and then my next, and this is this is where I get a little emotional, Jeremy. I get a little sad because we had the man cut a promo, Becky Lynch. She was the Raw Women's Champion at this point last year. Mm-hmm. On fire, top of her game, just beat Ronda Rousey. Probably this is peak, 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 peak the man, if you will. And she is no longer on the card because she is out due to pregnancy, which is awesome. But selfishly, I think there's a big star power missing from the women's division. And she took on Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship. Banks had just made her return from injury. And she was already aligned herself with Charlotte, with, um, with uh, Bailey at this point. They, Bailey had just turned heel. I think the week or two prior to this matchup. So this whole women's division, if I put it together in a whole from last year to this year, you had Charlotte Flair versus Bailey, but pre golden role models, Bailey. And you had Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks, raw women's championship, SmackDown women's championship. You fast forward to a year, a year. And our matchups at clash of champions this year are Bailey versus Selena. I'm sorry, Bailey versus Nikki cross again which we've already seen. And then you've got Zelina Vega taking on Asuka. Drastically different women's championship picture, 365 days. <laughs> Asuka and Zelina Vega on the pre-show, right? <laughs> I, I would be interested. I don't, I don't think they're going to put it on the pre-show, but in my opinion, it's a pre-show match just because I haven't seen Zelina Vega do enough in the ring. That's true. To warrant the, to warrant this spot, I know they're trying to maybe stretch Oscar's reign out a little longer. But I mean, last year we had Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks going one on one for a, for the Raw Women's Title, and it ended in a smazzy finish. But it still was like badass. It was it was one of my favorite feuds of 2019. Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks. It was it was a good match. I you know you mentioned the promo Becky cut. And then when uh, when her music hit for the when she was coming out for the match, it, I took I had to take a step back and say and literally, man, I kind of miss Becky Lynch. She was she was the shit, man. I I'm happy for her and everything she's doing outside of wrestling, but this women's division WWE needs the man. I, I'll 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 say it. I'll die on that hill. And they need Charlotte Flair too. I know people. Mm-hmm. People hate her, but man, she puts on a good match, and she is so good at being hated that we're just we need them two back to make this division solid again, and maybe put them on different brands and like even it out however they want to do it. I don't care. Agreed. I just I've noted like this. So this pat, you know, Be- Becky 
was on an astronomical run. Charlotte had won the NXT title, whether you like that or not. So be it, she put on a hell of a match with Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai in NXT TakeOver. She's main event. She's always a main event ready safe pick this whole past year. And she's out with an injury. Becky's out due to pregnancy. It definitely shows in the women's division overall in the past mm-hmm. year. Agreed. We, we got to have them back. Got to have them back. So then that brings us to what you were talking about earlier. One thing I noticed right out of the gate that stuck out to me like a sore thumb was that the, that the revival now known as FTR was a big player in this, in this, uh, this pay-per-view leading up to they won the titles against new day at this at 2019 clash of champions. And they are now currently your AEW tag team champions. That to me is super interesting that they let them go or they wanted out. I mean, they didn't let them go. They let them go. They wanted out. What do you think about FTR? I'm sorry. The revival here taking on the new day. And now isn't even with the company anymore. Very big, drastic change. Um, again, it, it just shows the WWE's hand, the card of the hand of the cards they're playing with tag teams when they just let Dax and Cash, uh, Scott, and my I forget his other name in WWE, but they just let him go like literally two of the best in the world and right up there with the young bucks right up there with uh, uh, even hangman and Adam page. I, you know, they were uh, Omega. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It was a mismatch pairing for the most part, but they made it work. And and those two went and had one of the best tag matches in the last five, 10 years with the young bucks. But anyway, the revival, killer tag team i loved them in wwe i ignored when they were trying to get out and they were putting them through all these comedy gimmicks having them shave each other's backs and whatnot um you just gotta look past all that junk (laughs) yeah we move we move on past that we don't we don't talk about that here it's interesting (laughs) to me though with the revival this was around that time that they were trying to get they were working with Randy Orton. So they're working with one of the legends in the business and rumor has it. And you talk to, I mean, not, I, I didn't talk to them, but they've talked about how Randy was even pushing for him to do more stuff with them. And the WWE just kept shaking him off and saying, no, no, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. And then to just let those guys with such a pedigree in the tag division, just walk away is insane to me. And you go again. We go 365 days. That's going to be said a lot in this in this podcast. To the SmackDown Tag Team Championships with Cesaro and Nakamura, which isn't a bad pairing. Those two can work, but it's just not the same as like a New Day, Usos, Revival, FTR, Revival. Those three going at it all the time was just always money. And that that was to me when the SmackDown tag division was at its like strongest when you had those three teams going one on going at each other. I'd even throw uh, 
Well, hell, they were the bar was probably broke. The bar wasn't around anymore, were they? Seamus was out. Oh, you know what? I'm not sure. I'd have to. I have to go back a little ways, but I think Seamus was out. I I think you're right. Yeah, last year he he had uh, was nursing that injury. That was one of those injuries that we didn't think he was coming, but he might not have made it back. But he, he's back now, and he's he's doing his thing. Right. After the uh, the FTR New Day match, you had a twenty. This is the twenty four seven title like era. This was like the beginning almost of it. It wasn't the beginning beginning, but it was in its like infant stages where they were still just running around <laughs> through the arenas. Carmella and tagging along. Carmella, Carmella and Truth <laughs> hang, holding the microphone for Bliss and Nikki Cross. You. Well, the, what so, was the quote? You dogged us out. We gotta you go. You dogged us out. We gotta go. You stooge. Because then she'd always shake jump on his back, and she. I thought. I thought a year ago that the twenty four seven championship was one of the most fun things that they had came up with. Yes, the belt was ugly. Yes, it's all quote unquote jobbers, but it was so much fun. And truth and Mella's a rendition of the 24-7 title reign was my favorite. They were clicking on all cylinders. Fast forward again to a year from now. I don't even know who the 24-7 champion is. I couldn't name it off the top of my head. I think it's our truth because he's had it 57 times, I think, in that span. I, I can't say for sure. I, I want to say it's him. I it's think. either him or Tazawa, <laughs> the ninja. They might have fought last night on Raw. As we're recording this, it's on a Tuesday night, the Tuesday before Clash of Champions 2020. So excuse us if we don't have that information locked down. But even we'll again, to, to that point, we 24-7 lineage. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't they, they, <laughs> that thing is tosses hands back. But it's one of the more fun things. And it's kind of died out a little bit from running through rings. I mean, Alexa Bliss in the match right after this tried to pin Truth mid-match while she's in the middle of a title match, which I thought was an interesting wrinkle. But right. again, they just... I don't know who's holding it. Carmella's not even on TV right now. There's rumors that she's maybe that repackaging vignettes they're doing on SmackDown. But that whole year that she, she's she been off TV for a while, she was in the 24-7 title hunt. She hasn't really done anything since then or in that year outside of 24-7. I think you're missing the boat not having Carmella on TV because I'll die on that hill. I find Carmella entertaining. Agreed. Yep. Definitely. They, they need to do more with her. I, I'm hoping that that is her in the whole dress gimmick, but uh, I don't know, man. Compared to Compared to the Queen of Staten Island, she's been rocking with well we'll just have to wait and see if uh, if this is her and if it'll uh, stand up to the queen yeah well i mean maybe they'll debut her at clash of champions 2020 who knows i don't know what they're doing with that video. we'll find out on friday so like i hey, said uh, then we have real, quick, uh, one of the, real quick one of those jobbers who was always in the hunt for that title is uh, now a uh, world champion at Impact Wrestling. I last I knew. That, oh, that is true. You, thank you. Yeah, that jobber group, if you will. I mean, it had Heath Slater in it at times. He's now at Impact. It had Eric Young in it. He's gone. I think 
Nope. You know, because we didn't even talk about the pre-show where he had Cedric Alexander and AJ Styles. Cedric was in that at one point too, I think. But this oh, yeah. was during Cedric. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the kick because they put AJ Styles and Cedric Alexander for the for the United States Championship on the pre-show, which was a huge mistake, and everybody crapped on it. Agreed. It yeah. shouldn't have been. So you know, Fat, we'll we'll touch on them real quick. You, Cedric, at that point, they they decided to heat Cedric up a little bit because he had just came from 205 Live. He was one of the pillars of that brand. And then all of a sudden, he was off TV forever, pretty much after this. Like, AJ beats him, and then we don't hear from Cedric Alexander for six months, it felt like. He fell back into the 24-7 job report. I think he was he was one of those guys I if I remember one of the the oddball dirt sheets I read it on uh, he was one of the guys like Ricochet that that kind of with uh, they were getting the Paul Heyman push when he was in control of Raw but then uh, as we all know that didn't work out and Vince didn't like him so there we are. You know, I think the only reason that Cedric got the title shot to begin with is because he jumped off of the Titan drawn. <laughs> the, the stage and then it was like the most talked about thing on social media and they're like well we got to do something with this guy yep. i mean we don't have to talk aj styles he, his year speaks for itself you know he's always in a major title story big story he's turned heel he died at wrestlemania this past year <laughs> died and came back to life resurrected died, came back to life like it never happened yep. which is probably as we talk about this past year in wrestling is probably the most impressive thing he died and came back to life the undertaker killed you at mania and you're back and you're facing jeff hardy and uh what's his name Sami Zayn at clash yep. champions 2019 so good for you aj styles good for you and for cedric to tie that bow on the pre-show that we skipped cedric is now Probably the most entertaining he's been in his entire WWE run, linking up with the Hurt business. Yep. They're doing big things. Uh, if if we if you're like me and you saw a couple couple little notes from this past Monday's Raw, uh, they're they're starting uh, the Hurt business up with Retribution. So right. Oh, uh, boy. I like the Hurt business. I'm, I'm curious about Retribution. One of these two factions isn't going to make it out of this uh, out of this uh, rivalry, is my guess. And, <laughs> and I got to be honest, as Cedric Alexander joined the group, I think it's going to be retribution's going to be very short lived, based on the uh, reaction they got yesterday. It's mace and T bar, and I wanted T bar, mass <laughs> slapjack. Like I, I want retribution to be a good thing. I. I like that the WWE in this past year, mind you, and since we're talking about, you know, the year that was, like we saw earlier in the show, you know, they're trying new things because they've got competition now. There's more outlets for people to watch New Japan, Impact, AEW, you name it, you can find it, right? So I give them credit that they are trying these things. So like I said, they're putting – you know, the Hurt Business together with Cedric in that and MVP, Lashley, Shelton. They're putting those. 
Raw Underground has been a thing, and it's it is what it is. But at least they're trying things. And the Retribution thing, yeah, at first I was like, okay, this is kind of corny. Then it started to kind of be good, and now it's like they've just completely they got they shot themselves in the foot. I don't know what they're thinking. Is it is it possible for for like new factions to jump the shark before even presented with a ramp? I, I believe so. <laughs> the, the WWE can do it. Anybody we're seeing it. it. We're seeing it now. We're seeing it. <laughs> not to not to hammer too far into it, but my first thought was Mia Yim. They they made the Keith Lee Mia Yim relationship a focal point in NXT to the point where it was brought up in matches and they were having mixed tag matches for her to come out last week and be a part of the group that beat him up. That's got to make dinner pretty. <laughs> a little awkward at the dinner table. Oh, All boy. right. And we're we back. back. Technical, di- te- technical <laughs> difficulties, of course. So as I was saying, it's got to make an interesting dinner for Keith Lee and me and him to know that she's part of this group retribution who's beating up on her boyfriend. Can you, can you pass the potatoes without punching me in the face? Yeah, is T-Hawk going to... What's going on here? There's a T-Hawk, T-Bone, T-Bone, T-Shank. I don't know, man. I was thinking of the guy from AEW. T-Bone reminds me of George Costanza from Seinfeld. Why no T-Bone? Because George Watkins from accounting is T-Bone. So as we continue continue to reevaluate the year, the women's tag team championships were held by Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. And they took on, who was it in my notes here? Fire and Desire. There's a whole lot to unpack there. From the year that was for Nikki Cross, Alexa Bliss, Mandy Rose, and Sonya Deville. So where do we begin? Oh boy. Here? Well, we could just start with the match, right? <laughs> the match itself. Yeah. Uh, the match yeah, itself, sure. I I enjoyed it. You know, uh, Alexa, I would have to say was probably the uh, superstar that carried the match. You know, Nikki Cross wasn't far behind her, but even Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. They still seem kind of green, but you know they they see for Alexa and Nikki maybe being the more experienced of the of the four, they uh, all four of them together put on a pretty decent match, if I had to say. Yeah, and this is uh, this is still like sanity, Nikki Cross. If She's you coming She's out of that a, a real yeah. crazy edge out to that that theme music still, Bliss. Is in my opinion, Bliss is money. I people forget that she's like a five-time women's champion. Mm-hmm. You know, she's been in some super high-profile matches. So you put the two together, and I know the whole time they were together, they were waiting for Bliss to turn on Nikki, and they've gone so far up until last week or the week before without a turn. Until Bliss got mixed up into the Fiend Strowman mess. Yep. And Nikki's Nikki's fight. Nikki's gone from almost an afterthought in the women's roster to a title match in a year. You know, she's got another title match with Bailey. Yes, we've already seen that one multiple times. 
It has been a few but, times with that one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but I mean, it's still, it's kind of surprising. And for me, one of those that wasn't going to ever see the title picture, just because I'm not necessarily the biggest Nikki Cross person, but she's good. She, yeah, she can, and she can you, carry you a match. The, you, she, she knows what she's doing in there. And then you flip it over to the fire and desire. And I mean, the year that those two have had has been probably the most interesting women's division year overall in the sense that like Mandy's now with Otis and they had that big push, you know, WrestleMania moment where she finally was like, Otis, you know, He's, he went from like sweating on her and getting her cake and our boys, Zig, our boys Ziggler's in there, like stepping on the cake yep. and stuff. Was it? Well, now didn't she give him a, a episode too, via like the, for Christmas or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She felt bad about the cake. Yep, so she bought that's him right. a ham. This whole, this whole time, Sonya Deville's just like, then they, they did the whole like, hacker angle where there was like footage of like Sonia trying to break them up with Ziggler to the point where we're at now where like the Miz is getting Sonia or I'm sorry Mandy traded to Raw away from Otis he's trying to sue Otis Miz is in his whitey tighties <laughs> and then Sonia we all know it happened and I've been very vocal fuck that guy don't be a creep if you're a wrestling fan don't be a creep don't you don't show up at people's houses. That's some psycho shit. You just pretty much ruined Sonya Deville's life because she's going to stick with that. It's going to stick with her forever. And she was in the midst of a major push as well because everybody is a big fan of what she was doing and she was doing some mm-hmm. great work. But unfortunate things happened. And here we, we were. Yeah, we were finally getting some layers to the onion that was or hopefully will still be Sonya Deville. And like you said, this crazy thing that happened in her personal life has totally derailed her her public professional career i hope it doesn't do too much damage to it i hope they you know throw her a bone when she comes back and she don't have to she doesn't have to have like a a title match or anything like that but stick her in a stick her in a worthwhile story when she comes back yeah because, I mean, they were doing that. They had the Sonya-Mandy breakup, and I thought all that stuff was really interesting. It was going to be this hair-versus-hair match, which had a lot of intrigue. But I think they pivoted to the loser-leaves WWE match because I think Sonya needed to take yep. that time away to deal with the legal issues of everything. And that match itself, for me, I thought could have been bigger, could have been a bigger, drawn-out story. I think they went safe and just were... Let's get it over with so we can just, she can go handle her business. And then we'll have Mandy, you know, just keep doing her thing with Otis, which even that was kind of weird. They hadn't had Mandy around sometimes when Otis was around. Now Mandy's on a new brand. Neither one of them, any of them that are, the only person in that foursome that wrestled that's wrestling this Sunday is Nikki, (laughs) which if you would have put, if I would have put money on it a year ago, I would have said that's not possible. Right. You would imagine all four of them would be a part of the show somehow, but you're right. It's, it's just Nikki cross. Yeah. 
know, Nikki Nikki shines to live another day. She's standing out. So after after the the women's tag team championship matchup, which um, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross have won and have lost since then, and we've now moved on to Shayna and Nia. They're the new women's tag team champions, which is an interesting pairing. That whole division has been up and down. They, it seems like the WWE wants to heat it up, cool it down, heat it up, cool it down. They can't decide what they want to do with the women's tag titles either. They keep breaking up women's tag teams and then putting them back together. It's a hot mess right now. Figure out tag team wrestling, WWE. <laughs> the, men, the men's tag team wrestling, te- uh, the men's teams aren't enough. They got to get into the women's teams and split some of them up too. Keep it even, I guess. Of course. <laughs> I guess so. It's equal opportunity in the splitting up of tag teams. So the next match on the card after that is... Shinsuke Nakamura versus The Miz for the Intercontinental Championship with Sami Zayn as Nakamura's manager. Now, that's that scene, the Intercontinental title scene is drastically different over this Very year different. as well. Hell, the title, the title is And there's different. two of them. There's two of them the only constant from the whole year is that Sami Zayn is in the intercontinental title picture in some way shape Mm -hmm. or form last year as a manager this year as the quote-unquote icy title holder and I'm with him he never lost it I think they shouldn't have did that to him they never did they like did they strip the title from him or yeah because uh he he opted that, to sit out yep. due to okay, COVID, and since he was out for about a month, they said, well, we're going to have an IC title tournament in which AJ Styles yep, won, that. and he's recently lost to Jeff Hardy. But my main takeaway from that whole year is the year The Miz has had. I mean, this guy at one point, two or three years ago, if we want to go way back, was one of the hottest performers in the company. He was at his peak. So he, he's always a mainstay in the IC title picture. But this past year, he's done nothing but it seems like comedy joke acts with John Morrison. I know he's got a couple shows on USA. But what do you what do you make of the Miz's year since 29, September of 2019 to today? The Miz from last year to today. He has consistently been one of my favorites, and I don't hate the stuff that he's doing with John Morrison. I was just happy the Mundo man came back to the to the Fed. Um, love that dude. He is yeah. miles ahead of some of these guys. Um, but anyway, the Miz. Why hasn't he beaten? Uh, that intercontinental Jericho's intercontinental title record, the reigns nine, something like that, eight or nine reigns. Yeah. I think they're, they're either tied or he's one. I behind. think he's one behind. Um, it probably won't be long now with Jericho dog and WWE almost every week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, the Miz is one of the top, in my opinion, he's one of the top guys. He should always be in the intercontinental title picture. I would like to see him 
get up into a, an actual WWE title picture again. Um, I didn't hate it back when that happened. That which, yeah, which I thought we were on the way to yep. that, and then they kind of pivoted from that. And I don't, I don't hate all the comedy stuff that the Miz and Morrison do. I just point that out because you took him from one of these like the serious like heel and he's still a heel but he's like a comedic heel now right and he's nowhere near a title picture he's out on his whitey tighties last friday night he's trying to steal otis's lunchbox (laughs) i mean i'm a miz guy i like the miz i just want to see him and i like you said i think it's a matter of time before he breaks jericho's record because i know vince is a spiteful dude and he's gonna want that he's not gonna want an aew guy as his top you know, an intercontinental champion of mm-hmm. all time, which if you said who's the best intercontinental champion of all time in WWE history, a lot of people are going to say Chris Jericho because he made that title during the his run mm-hmm. there. Multiple, like multiple see. runs. Like every time he would leave and come back, they would just, I mean, not, you know, he's earned it. He's Chris Jericho, but he would leave, do a Fozzie tour, come back. Here's the title, pal. Exactly, because it's just instant credibility with Chris Jericho. And so the Miz, I hope and he's not on this card either at the at the moment because the, he's not vying for a championship. And of course, every championship must be defended at Clash Champions, mm-hmm. which is interesting to see how many people were on the card one at this time last year and are not on the card this year. You know what they say, like a year isn't that long a time, you know, oh, if you have a one-year-old, they're not, they're not old. They're only one. Well, in wrestling, a year is almost a lifetime. It's like night. Agreed. Uh, One quick question about Miz and Shinsuke real quick was, if I remember right, the Miz was kind of on the face side of things this time last year, right? Yes, because Nakamura had lined himself with Sammy and Sammy was doing all that dirty work. Yep. Like that's how they won that's the match right. was uh, okay. Sammy got involved and kind of screwed. I'm, I'm not a fan of, of face. Good guy. Miz. I, I will say that. I, I prefer a heel. I'm Miz. not either. He's a perfect, perfect heel. The next up after that on that card from the year ago was the Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks match. We already talked about that earlier so we'll move right along to what is the most outside of there being fans and no fans comparison to the year the most glaring difference from clash of champions 2019 to what will be clash of champions 2020 for me personally is kofi kingston is your wwe championship at this point this is the last he had won the title because that's what everybody wanted. We were all excited. It was one of the best stories he wanted at WrestleMania. Here he is, Clash of Champions, and what will be the near the end of his WWE title reign. Weeks away. He's facing right? weeks away <laughs> because this happens late September. October 4th is just around the corner, and we all know what happened on the debut episode of SmackDown. For those that don't know, Brock Lesnar squashed Kofi Kingston in, I think, 10 seconds. One F5, right? <laughs> one F, he picks him up, F5s him, pins him, done. I remember watching that episode because I was so intrigued on what they were going to do on Fox because there was so much fanfare for it. 
I sat there and I'm one of those guys that I look at my clock while I'm watching just because how much time's left? What can they do in 20 minutes, 10 minutes there? They started this match at nine 53 Eastern standard time. And I go, how are you starting I, your WWE championship seven minutes before you're supposed to be off? I there? remember that. And that's how they I remember thinking the exact same thing. Well, well, Brock's going to win. <laughs> and it, what, what upset me the most, and we'll, we'll jump back, you know, we'll stay with the, the Clash of Champions title match with Orton, is they were just giving Kofi some, like, fire. He had been goofy, funny champion the whole time up until this Randy Orton feud where they flipped a switch with him where, like, Orton was messing with his family, you know, and he was getting, you know, Kofi was taking a lot of the initiative to, you know, jump Randy Orton yep. as the pissed off baby face. And he wins the match. But then, it, you know, like we said, it, it was like he won the match. He just beat Randy Orton, I think, for the second time. Because I think they wrestled at SummerSlam, too, that year. I, I believe you're right. I do remember two Orton-Kofi title matches. Two Orton-Kofi title matches. And then they, they just completely... Like, we're going to Fox. We need a bigger name than Kofi. And they just squash him out. And it's almost like they don't talk about it. They never gave Kofi a rematch over this past year. They never, they bring it up on occasion, but it's not something that they focus on. They don't emphasize Kofi. Like they do when Finn Balor, if you get what I'm saying, like when Finn Balor comes out, the first universal champion ever. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every it seems like every time they talk about Finn Balor, but they don't seem to do that with Kofi. And maybe I'm just missing it. it. It's got to be on one of Vince's uh, don't talk about lists, like don't call championships title or don't call them belts. Um, right under that is uh, Kofi's title reign. Don't talk about it. Just brush it under the rug. And I and I think that's another Vince just being spiteful thing going, you guys wanted this as fans. We gave you exactly what you wanted and you didn't appreciate it. And the viewership was down a little bit. So I get you're going in. And that's why this was such an interesting pay-per-view because you knew they were going to Fox and you knew they were about to do a draft and split everything up. Or no, yeah, no, because I think they did the draft and at SmackDown. Yeah, because they had they debuted on SmackDown mm-hmm. on Fox and then two weeks later had a draft. So they knew they were moving to a new network where they were splitting brands. They knew we're having a draft. So I think they were just like, let's throw away this pay-per-view, so to speak, and kind of throw and start fresh. But I felt like they kind of did it at the expense of Kofi. But yes, he became a multiple. I think he won the. They won the tag titles. I think twice in the past year, maybe before Woods got hurt. And sounds right. Woods has been out sounds the right. entire year. P- Kofi's out now, so Big E's now doing the solo push. So the new day from a year ago to today is kind of not unraveled. They're just all injured, doing different things. It blows my mind the way they handled the whole Kofi situation. I feel like he at least should have gotten a rematch or been thrown into an elimination chamber style matchup where you say, you know, he's a former champion and here's his shot to get back. Right. And they're not doing any of that. 
I don't, I don't get it. I, I, I was just thinking about this too. I've, I've been kind of rebooking, rebooking that Clash of Champions match from last year. What if they had Randy go over? What if they put the title on him for the 14th time? In my eyes, that would have been an even bigger match for the main event on SmackDown on that debut episode. But you could have even had that been the first match. Get Brock in and out. He's happy. It wouldn't have hurt Randy to lose the title as much as it hurt Kofi to Brock Lesnar. I agree with you there. Oh, yeah. That's an excellent point. You mean Randy Orton loses a championship match to Brock Lesnar. You know, he can be in the mix the next week if you want. He's Randy Orton. Kofi, he had to work his ass off to get there, and then they just pulled the rug right out from underneath him. And I just – I still – it still leaves this weird feeling – in my stomach to this day, like every once in a while, I'm like, damn dude, what happened with Kofi? You know, like, (laughs) why can't we do something else with Kofi? Like, why just talk about it? Give him a rematch. Like, I know that that, that was at the time too. They pulled rematch clauses out. And so we're not doing instant rematch clauses anymore. So they found a way to get around it, but it just seemed like an odd decision to do that. And it wasn't it after that match or not long after that match, at least where, somebody stooged off to Meltzer about Vince McMahon getting rid of the, the, the rematch clause or something like that. I remember it being after the Brock Kofi match for some reason. Yeah. Well, cause that's all that was. Yeah. That was around that time where they were, they were brand splitting. Everything was going on. They were trying to, they're tr- they've been trying to grasp at these straws of like, we're trying to change it up and not be repetitive and give instant rematches to champions who lost, which is funny to me because today they replay the same match like 15 different ways, <laughs> which is that's where it started from. I don't know. It blows my mind, which, and then to the Randy Orton side of things, he's still competing for the WWE championship at clash of champions against drew McIntyre. He's still in the title picture. He's fine. He's probably had his best year in about, I would say, a decade. If, maybe not a decade. That might be a stretch. But like Randy Orton is having an amazing year with promo work. His, his work he did with Edge has been phenomenal. The stuff he's doing with Drew has been great. I mean, I got to give it up. I agree with everything you, you say there. Um, Randy Orton... What when was his debut? Two thousand three, two thousand four, something like that. Um, and it's 20... yeah, right, right around the. Uh... Go ahead. No, I was just say right around. The, oh, yeah. right around that time where the whole um, ruthless aggression came in with Brock and Cena and uh, Shelton Benjamin, and and you look at now it's twenty twenty, and Randy Orton started out pretty damn well, close to the top of the card, and he is still there nearly 20 years later. It's, it's pretty incredible. I mean, it, it, it takes a lot of effort. I mean, I know everybody will listen. Oh, his dad was Bob Orton. Yeah, but still it takes effort to go 20 years at the top of a card, whether whoever your mm-hmm. name is, you know, whoever your dad is, just as Ted DiBiase Jr. Where he's at right Ted, now. Ted Jr. Uh, Richie Steamboat. Uh, we could, we could maybe talk, we can have a podcast. About we can go, that. that could be a whole. Nother, <laughs> that'd be a whole nother podcast. 
So as we continue to move closer to the end of this card, the only non-title matchup on Clash of Champions 2019 was Roman Reigns versus Eric Rowan, who is no longer with WWE either. And this was Eric Rowan when they were they, he had broken away from the Bludgeon Brothers because Harper had gotten mm-hmm. hurt. They needed something for him to do, so he links up with Daniel Bryan. And Daniel Bryan, this is during his whole environmentalist heel, I'm better than you because I'm vegan movement thing, and Rowan's coming out in a flannel every week with like obscure band t-shirts on, and he's just kicking people's ass yep. for Bryan. But this then this was the Heyman, like, this was Heyman's baby because it was that whole Roman got hit by a car thing and they were trying to figure out who done it and they thought it was Brian. So this is how this feud begins is that Rowan's like, it was me. I did it on my own. I did it for Daniel Bryan without saying he did it for right. Daniel Bryan. I had, I had almost forgot. I had, no, I had all the way forgotten about the whole uh, backstage accident and the, and the car crash incident until, uh, until the pre-match uh, video package. Yeah. I had spaced it myself. I was sitting there going, Oh yeah, <laughs> they did try that. They tried to kill, they tried to kill Roman Reigns, like multiple. They, they tried to kill the big dog. Which is funny. The match itself was what it was. We had a Luke Harper return, who is now the TNT Big, big return out of nowhere. They, they held that one close to the chest. Yeah, I didn't expect that. So he comes in. We'll, call, we'll blow through the match because the match is not the important stuff here. He blows through. He comes in. They beat the shit out of Reigns. He gets a win. Eric Rowan on the record books, whether he got help or not, has a win over the current Universal Champion. And he's gone from the company. Luke Harper's gone from the company. Not too long after this, they, I don't even think that Harper and Rowan did anything else together after this pay-per-view. They what? They got drafted. They got drafted to separate brands. And then you didn't see Harper on TV, but sporadically throughout that time he was still with the company same mm-hmm. with rowan he did the weird mechanical spider gimmick for a hot minute and then they released him it was it was uh you know once once covid started and all the i you know i didn't see eric rowan's release coming but that one was definitely you know you hate saying it but he wasn't they were, weren't doing much with him so let's just let him go and why pay him to sit at home? So both of those guys are gone for mo- for the better part of this past year. Roman Reigns, to tie him into this current storyline with Jey Uso, he was gone for a good portion of the year. He had wrestled here. He was in the mix. He won the Universal Championship. If I'm not mistaken... I'd have to look back and do some notes. I'm not Conrad Thompson. I've got 40 <laughs> pages of notes on in front of me. He never lost the universal title. He basically relinquished it as well. 
that was a weird year for like title relinquishes. Like if I go off on a little tangent. Oh there, yeah, yeah. Because of the every uh, other every other week somebody's dropping a title for not like by not getting pinned or anything. They're saying, "Hey, here's yeah. the title." And Roman was one of those, and that's why the storyline today is I never lost the Universal title, but he left right before WrestleMania because he was going to come back and take on Bill yep. Goldberg. But he decided, due to the pandemic, to stay safe. He had just had a baby with his health concerns. He stayed home. So that's where Strowman got in the mix. We, you know, which was the main event. That's fun to think about when you say, I'm listening to all that. Had coronavirus not been a thing, we could have had almost an entire 2020 so far with Roman as champion. Yeah, because they would have given him a real long reign because they've been trying to make him the guy for years now. So, and that, I mean, that speaks a lot to Roman cause he knows that. Oh yeah. He's right? not, he's so not he, stupid. Him, he knows it. Him, <laughs> him sitting at home knowing, Hey, I could have been the universal champion or WWE champion or whatever championship they want to put on me for the next year. Like, and nobody's going to touch me. That's good on him. But it just, it's a weird, it was a weird year for a lot of these matches. If you look at them from where they were to where those people are now, like we didn't see Roman Reigns. And now Roman Reigns is doing some of the best work, you know, across the, you know, internet wrestling community. If you look at that, some of the best work he's ever done. Everybody seems to be a fan so far. When we're watching at home in the, in the comfort of our own chairs. Yeah, I'm, I'm digging him. My concern for this whole badass shit kicker Roman angle. If when the crowds do return, are they, are the live crowds going to accept him? I mean, that's, I think that's kind of the biggest question. His work speaks for itself. Uh, He is a great champion. He can hang with the biggest of the biggest, like Braun and Eric Rowan. Uh, Mike, you don't, I don't need to hear him on the mic. You know, now that he's got Paul Heyman right with him, let Paul do all the talking, you know, except for a few. Yeah, that sounds good. You know, let him agree to some stuff, but let Paul do most of the talking. Yeah, I agree. And it's just, you know, I'm not a Roman Reigns guy by any stretch of the imagination, but right now I find him to be, intriguing and that's where i get i get intrigued i'm like all right what are you going to do next with it and they're doing just enough with him this time around where it doesn't feel like a brock lesnar carbon copy yeah i think everybody was worried about agreed yeah when when Heyman showed up definitely it's they're just they're peppering in the layers to this to this roman reigns this new roman reigns uh, onion and uh it's it's like you said it's intriguing and he's taking on Jay Uso, <laughs> of all people. Another who, intriguing choice. <laughs> is also who, who I I'm going to be funny here because I, I I don't have all the details, and I'm sure he's done more. But the biggest thing that he's done this year for me is he hosted a karaoke contest on SmackDown. <laughs> I forgot he did that <laughs> because. Because his brother Jimmy has been out with injury, yep. as well as some other things, 
and so he hasn't done much and it, it makes sense that they wrestle because the storyline the family thing it's all there i'm all for I, I would just like to add but, um, I mean, didn't didn't he pick naomi to be the winner of that karaoke contest he absolutely I, did. I disagreed with the win I mean, or with Naomi. I was going to vote for no, I can't, uh, Lacey Evans and her rendition of With My Baby Tonight. That was hands down my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, did the, they did the crowd participation thing, but the problem is they had 14 people in the crowd, so they couldn't really, like, <laughs> vote yeah. properly. Like. They're all cheering, and so it was a weird thing. But I mean, again, I will give, I will give my firstborn away if Jimmy or Jey Uso wins the Universal Title on Sunday. I can't imagine that's going to happen. I. What if we get? Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. It, if it does, if it does, I love you, son. <laughs> it's been a good run. Your new your new family will take good care of you. <laughs> I'm uh just I read something on uh, on the internet today about uh, a possible uh, mafia inspired storyline involving Roman Reigns. So I'm almost wondering if they're gonna get this whole you know bloodline finger air quotes uh, faction maybe going with Roman when they get Jimmy back. They've got Jay already. And it made me think back into the 90s with a little match between uh, the Hulkster and Kevin Nash. We had, a, I think it was a returning Hulk Hogan who uh, gave Kevin Nash a little a little poke to the chest and, uh, and got, got the one, two, three. I'm, I'm bringing that one. I I'm dusting it happens. off. Yep. I'm maybe not a finger poke, oh, I, I but uh, something fishy might happen on Sunday. Maybe Jimmy and Jay pull twin match. Shout out Bella twins. No, I, I've been tossing the finger poke of doom thing out. I think that that's the way to go. And if they don't go that way, I'm going to be disappointed. My other question is, does Roman Reigns show up five minutes after the bell rings and Jay just beats himself up? Because that's been his MO currently. Is he doesn't show up on time. I, I so hope that doesn't as we, happen. As we wrap up that show... We had already talked about Seth and Braun and Seth Rollins Universal Championship, which we already discussed. But I found it interesting as I looked down this card of the people that aren't on it. I think AJ's still on it. Reigns is still on it. Bailey, Nakamura, Nikki Cross. That's it. Because Rollins doesn't have a title match. Strowman doesn't have a title match. Orton has one. Kofi's gone. Becky's gone. Sasha's not doing anything. Flair's gone. It just blows my mind, and that's why I wanted to start this podcast. And this is something that we'll do in the future with other pay-per-views. But it just the year arc that we've had in wrestling has been quite interesting, leading up to 2020 Clash of Champions, which. You got any big predictions, or should I say spoilers? For big predictions? I uh, I am calling for Randy Orton to get that 14th uh, title reign kicked off on Sunday. So we got Orton. I'm, I'm leaning towards Orton as well. He's doing some of the, again, best work. And 
I think the best way to continue to build Drew is long title reigns, but also multiple title reigns. And the only way to have multiple title reigns, Jeremy, is to you gotta lose. Lose them. You got to lose. So I'm calling Who for said, that I, as well. We also got uh, Flair. Rick Flair oh, would uh, always say, you know, I lost more than I won. And he was a 16 time right? champion. So, you know. Which means he lost at least yep. 17 times. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a triple threat Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, and Sami Zayn. Two of them are from a year ago. What do you think uh, pulls off the victory there in a This is match? essentially uh, are they calling it a unification match or are they just rocking with the one title? Guess it well, they're, well, they're rocking with Jeff Hardy as the they're recognizing Jeff okay. Hardy as the champion. They're not recognizing Sami Zayn according to the Hardy list. Styles and Zayn, man. I uh I want to pick Jeff Hardy just, you know, he just resigned with the company, I believe I heard. Um he's got a lot of interesting ideas, uh one being maybe working a, a willow angle from his time in impact with, uh, with the fiend at some point. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with Jeff Hardy on this one. Yeah. He had just resigned. I think they're pushing him. I think he's bringing back his old music, all sorts of stuff. So I think they're going to keep it with him because I think AJ styles, there's bigger things mm-hmm. for him to do. And Sami Zayn can chase. They can pull away. They can pull an angle where, you know, Zayn wasn't involved in the finish or something happened, screwy, and they can keep him in that yep. final run. Next up, there's Bailey and Nikki Cross for the SmackDown Women's Title. So that means Bailey's had this championship. No, nope, because she lost it and won it back. So she's, but she's had this thing for almost a year. They had that screwy where. She lost it to Flair, but then won it back on the one of the debut episodes of SmackDown. Or yeah, you're right. Who, she did lose it. Who pulls um, out? And, uh, yeah, she had it because she came out and like slashed the Bailey buddies and then won the title. <laughs> I that was going to be one of my questions when we were talking about uh, the women that women's t- uh, title match. Um, you kind of started seeing the sowed the seeds sown for the full Bailey heel turn, but that was few weeks later um anyway bailey nikki cross i it's this isn't one of the big four pay-per-views but it is you know it's it's not a small none of them are really small per se but but i, I think they're gonna stick with uh, bailey they're gonna keep it on bailey yeah i can't imagine they're gonna let nikki cross pull it off especially with that sasha banks yep. storyline oh yeah looming. right there other matches, we'll, we'll burn through some of these real quick because we're running close on time. We got Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler to take on the Riot Squad for the Women's Tag Team Champions. That seems to be the matchup. I'm going to just say this right now. I'm a hometown fan. Uh, Ruby Riot's from the area. I always pick her to win no matter what, even if there's no shot of her winning. I am also a Ruby Riot fan. I told you a little bit about that. My uh, my wife's sister was pretty good buddies with her. Um, but I I saw that I saw that match uh, uh, card on the internet. Ba- uh, Nia Jax and uh, Shayna Baszler and 
names are escaping me. Uh, Riot Squad, thank you. Um, I, it made me think, well, is, is Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler transitional champions for the Riot Squad? They can't be. Just because of who, you know, how Shayna Baszler performs and Nia's Nia. Um, I want to pick the Riot Squad, right. but I'm going to stick on uh, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Probably a safe pick. Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza, who broke up last week and are back together, back together this week. <laughs> but this match is taking place for the fifteenth time. I th- feel like, in some way, shape, or form, these guys have feuded ever since. Pretty much, the Street Profits won the titles. It has been a while at this so point. We're going yeah. on like two hundred days. <laughs> yeah. We're on like 200 days of this conference. So as far as I was concerned, I wouldn't even have this match on the card, but since you got to defend every title, here it I is. Mean, this, this one could have really been on that pre-show spot, seeing as how we've seen the match already 50 million times. Um, Street Profits, right. Garza, Andrade. I'm going to say this is it's their time. They 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 broke them up, put them back together out of, out of nowhere. There's got to be a reason, right? I'm, I'm going to go Andrade and Garza. All right. United States Championship, Bobby Lashley takes on Apollo Crews. I hate to say it. I think Crews is it's, it's not happening for him. I think it stays with Lashley. Bobby Lashley's the man. It's, it's, staying, the, it's staying with the Hurt Business. Hurt Business is one of the best things going right now. I agree. I mean, you would ask me – few months ago if MVP was going to be a big deal and I was I was like who why they bring back MVP the same thing he's like he was he was like a mid carter who had a decent run for like six months what like 10 years ago 15 years ago then (laughs) right yeah during during like this weird era where all where the wrestling wasn't the greatest and he was just because he was good he was the champ for a little bit yeah that's the story for another day (laughs) Uh, the Raw Women's Championship, we touched on a little bit earlier. You got Asuka versus Selena Vega. It looks like, according to the website, it is the kickoff match. It doesn't necessarily say pre-show. They, I don't think they call it pre-show. I think they call it kickoff show. But, I mean, it's Asuka. It's Selena Vega. It's got to be Asuka, right? They, they got to be playing. It's got to be Asuka. Zelina's, yeah, she's had some matches on the main roster, right? I don't really remember seeing her wrestle a whole lot in NXT, um, but I do, It's too early. I don't. I don't see them making that title change for her at this point. Yeah, she's she's good, but I mean, like you said, there's just not a lot of pedigree there. And I like that they're putting new faces in the mix. But again, 365 days ago, this championship was Sasha Banks at her one of her peaks and Becky Lynch and this is where we're at it's just it's, it's kind of it's interesting how it's all unfolding and, and then the last matchup that I've got that I've got listed that they've got announced to Cesaro and Nakamura versus the Lucha House Party oh boy. who you got <laughs> I, I, I'll just say I gotta think they're gonna again they gotta they're going to play the safe. You got Cesaro and Nakamura doing Cesaro and Nakamura things, and they're teasing tension in the Lucha House Party. 
So I can't imagine they're going to get it done this Sunday. I agree with you. Um, I'm kind of right now in my head dubbing Nakamura and Cesaro the bar 2.0. Um, two of my favorites since I've in this, um, you know, this modern era of wrestling, um, Cesaro and Nakamura, ever since Shinsuke came into the company and had that run in NXT, just magic, man. Um, and in, and as far as Lucha House Party goes, didn't they take a mask off one of them too? Just last week or something like that? Or maybe I'm, I don't remember. If they did, I missed I missed it, but I could I could see I could see them doing something I don't like that. Know. Like because I think Nakamura and Cesar are still playing the heel side of it, even though there's tension with the Lucha House. Right. Party. This this just but I think that there's still this the just feels of- like another notch on the belt for the bar 2.0, just looking at looking at it on paper. Right. It seems it it seems like this card, which again from last year to this year, it feels like this particular version of uh, Clash of Champions, the 2020 version, if you will, seems like it's just a way to get some title defenses under the belt of some of their champions. When last year, it felt like they're moving in different directions and creating some different storylines with, you know, Kofi. You knew that was going to come to an end. They, you know, they had some big time matches because they were trying to get eyes on the product because they knew they were moving to a broadcast network and they were going to have more eyes on the product because they had NXT coming into the fold live every Wednesday. And this year it just kind of feels a bit like a throwaway pay-per-view to get to hell in the cell based on what the card looks like. Agreed. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't, uh, there's a little, there's a little bit of shine, a little bit of, like almost the very tiniest amount of sizzle, and I'd say there's enough steak on it, but, uh, but yeah, this definitely, I, I agree with you, just kind of getting through to the next one. Like I'm not gonna miss the pay per view because I watch all of them because I'm just a junkie for wrestling. For sure. But if I was gonna tell, like a casual fan. Yeah, you could probably skip this one. You'd be Jorge from from Granger. Yeah, I'd be like, hey, you're you're good, George. You don't have to you don't have to watch that one. That's an inside joke for anybody that's listening. So, well, that that puts us up here on the the time. If there's anything else you would like to add, Jeremy, before we do all the sends off, please. This is your well, yeah. One last thing about last year's clash. Um, the very end of the show, Rollins is celebrating his victory, and uh, who else but the Fiend sets his eyes on Seth Rollins' universal title? Very end of the show, attacks him. That's right. I, I had forgot about it until I rewatched the show. I completely glossed over that when we talked about it earlier. Yes, and then that started the whole red lighting awkward hell in the cell non-finish fiend fiasco oh that was like the catalyst for what is now the fiend is not what the fiend was at the time also the catalyst for what we see in seth rollins today as as the monday night messiah 
you you can you clearly see yeah. the fiend hold up uh, that glove that says hurt, and he's he's listening, he's talking to it, listening to it, laughing with it, and he just fucked Seth Rollins up right away. Just yeah, that whole both of them from where they were last year to where they are now are completely different. Very different people, characters. Again, what a difference a year makes. And that's the name of this this podcast, and that is why I wanted to do this, is because it just blows my mind that the WWE especially can go from almost a complete 180 in less than a year, or almost up to a year. It's pretty close once this podcast drops. It's like two days out from when Clash of Champions 2019 dropped. So on that note, Jeremy, I appreciate you taking the last hour or so to just shoot the shit and talk about wrestling that has happened from 2019 to 2020. Absolutely, man. I appreciate uh, appreciate the opportunity here. It's been a, it's been a good uh, good stretch of time here chatting some wrestling. Yeah, it was a good show, good talk, good conversation. We uh, we popped your uh, podcast cherry, so to speak. And who knows, maybe you'll uh, get the itch to want to keep doing more of these and we'll, we'll knock them out as the, as the time comes up for that to happen. Absolutely, man. So on that note, please make sure that you uh, follow Wrestling Plug Inc. on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And keep it here. Later this week, we will be dropping the normal time slot episode of The Plug. We'll probably talk a lot of Clash of Champions there. The week that was, I know Kyle and I took last week off due to he just became a homeowner and I had some things come up. So we're definitely going to have a lot to talk about on Thursday night. Make sure you tune in once again, Jeremy, I appreciate you until next time. We'll see you. Peace. Later.